I'm glad you're here today. If you know our church, if this is your first time or second time, uh, please listen very carefully here. We have finished 25 weeks in the first eight chapters of the book of Mark. Our heart at our church is to open up a book of the Bible and to preach through it. We preach through the easy passages where it's like, yay, yay, yay. And we preach through the tough passages where it's like, oh, no. All right, we preach through all of those. Um, and so every now and then, about 20, probably about 25 weeks is a little bit of a limit for me. And so what I've done today is I'm going to take a step out of Mark. We're going to be back in Mark in two weeks. But I'm going to take a step out of the book of Mark today. Um, and I, I truly, my heart today as your pastor is to help, um, is to help you. I want to preach a sermon today simply entitled, When the New is Through. When the New is Through. I don't know if you remember the first time that you went on that date with the person that you wound up falling in love with. If you can think back in that time. For some people, it's a great memory. For others, it's like, oh, I hate that person now. But anyway, <laughs> um, but, but hey, wherever you are in life, <clears throat> do you remember that first date? You remember, you know, I didn't grow up, thankfully, I didn't date in the social media world. Man, that would have been terrible. I would not. <laughs> man, I pray for y'all kids, man. I'm telling you, I don't know how you do it. Anyway, but uh, those, that nervousness, um, making sure that everything, you know, you got yourself looking right, you're ready to roll. You know, you got, maybe you had some, some nasty shoes, and so you went out and bought some new shoes. Whatever it was, you got done the first date, and you're like, man, like, oh, like do, I, do I reach back out? Do I wait for them to reach back out? Do I say thank you, I had a great time? Do I wait for them to tell me? Right? We, like, think through all this stuff, and everything is so new, and it's like, do you think it would be too forward if I sent, like, kind of this long message, like, really explaining my heart? That's only the first date. I don't know if I ought to do that. You know, all these different things run through our heads, but you remember that. Just kind of the, the newness of it. Does she really like me? Or is he, is he, oh, I don't know. You know, and, and we had that. You remember the first day on a new job. And whether your job was a good job or not, you showed up that first day and you're like, this is all brand new. I'm not sure what to do and I'm paying attention very highly to everything. I'm seeing, I'm trying to, you know, pinpoint who this person is or who that person is. And maybe you watch the show The Office and you're like, I'm going to pinpoint, you know, there's got to be a Dwight here. And I know there's a gym here and there's Pam there at the front desk, you know, whatever. And you're trying to like put everything together, but you're, but you're focused in and there's a newness about it. Even if the job is terrible, there's still that newness about it. How about when you first heard the name Jesus, whether you were a child or whether you were an adult, how about that time in your life where it was fresh and it was new and you remember listening to the preaching and maybe you even would even listen to preaching during the week from uh, other preachers and and you remember the all the brand newness of a relationship with Jesus you remember that I remember it you remember today maybe the first time you came to our church so there are some of you here today who have been here since we met in my apartment living room there are a few of you uh, there are plenty of you who are in this room today who came while we met in the in the school gym for three years and there's that newness 
there's that maybe you didn't were not raised in church. You're like, man, the people actually care about me. This is crazy. People remember my name. They want me to come like hang out at their house and study the Bible and maybe eat some food. Like, okay. Or maybe it's the newness of, man, I was really bogged down in church and I was very religious and I was a professional Christian and I really wanted something more authentic. You remember the newness. And this morning, I hate to tell you this, but there will come a point in time in your life when the newness of anything will wear off. I've been married for 15 years plus now. And there are elements of my, by the way, my wife is back. She's been gone for two weeks. She is serving in the kids today. So she's not been gone for three solid weeks. I am married and I have a wife. Her name is Sarah. Um, but, uh, but there are elements in my marriage 15 years later that are different than they were in year one. Let's be honest. Let's stop, let's stop trying to front, right? Things are different. Some of you have been married, I mean, some of you may have been married 34 years in this room. And I'm assuming in 34 years that there's some things that are, we got, some, we got an anniversary celebration right there, Mark and, and Francis. So anyway, 34 years. Um, in 30 years, 35 years, 25 years, whatever it is, things that used to create the butterflies sometimes no longer create the butterflies. Um, and what I want to do today is I want to help us, I want to help myself, I want to help you how to navigate life when the new has worn off. When the new is through, if we're not careful, we will often find ourselves in a situation where the new has worn off and we battle spiritual complacency. Now, for the sermon today, I am going to gear this toward church the newness of church wears off, or the newness of your relationship with Jesus. Okay? I'm going to gear it towards that, but if you will bear with me this morning, <clears throat> I believe that the principles and the truths that we go through this morning can help you in any relationship or any situation where this could be the case. And we've already talked about there's many situations where this could be the case. <clears throat> Today is a topical message. You will not hear me do this very often. And so if you're here for the first time, I have not preached a topical message since last year, I'm pretty sure. And so anyway, this happens about once a year, but that's, here's where we are. Exodus chapter 16. We will be in the Bible today. We will be in the Bible. Exodus chapter 16 is where we'll be this morning. If you remember in Exodus chapter 14, you have a man named Moses. We had a sermon series about him a while back called Imperfect. We had a man named Moses, who led the people um, out of bondage and slavery in Egypt, and they crossed the Red Sea. Anybody ever heard of that, the Red Sea miracle? I hope you have, right? If you've ever been in church, the Red Sea miracle. And Moses led the people across the Red Sea on dry ground, probably the greatest part of that miracle. Uh, they, he led them across the Red Sea on dry ground. And then, of course, as the enemy, the Egyptians are coming after them, it folds back up on top of them and crushes them Old Testament style, right? And so Exodus 14 happens, a major, major victory. In Exodus chapter 15, we have what's called the Song of Moses. And that is the celebratory worship and praise to God for what he just did. God just brought us out of slavery. 
Man, our people were being beaten and, and battered and there was just incredible brutality coming from the government there in, in Egypt. And man, all the, the plagues happened and man, God, he, he salvaged those that put the blood over their doorpost and he passed over them and then he released them from slavery. And so they sing a song of worship in Exodus chapter 15. And everything's new. And I wish I could tell you in this story, it was several years later. Unfortunately, the children of Israel are like hyper about this. This is just a few days later. Look at Exodus chapter 16. If you have your Bibles, verse 2. If not, it'll be on the screen behind you. Then the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. When we sat by the pots of meat and when we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Already. A complacency with their relationship with God. A complacency with what God wanted to do in their life. Already. A.W. Tozer said it this way, complacency is a deadly foe of all spiritual growth. Acute desire must be present or there will be no manifestation of Christ to his people. He waits to be wanted. Too bad that with many of us, he waits so long, so very long in vain. You see, this was just the first instance of the children of Israel and their complacency with their creator. It happened over and over and over and over again. In fact, about a year or so ago in our connect groups, I remember we went through that cycle of the children of Israel and how they would do this and then do that, do this, do that, do that, mess up, repent, God would come through, they would surrender back to God. They'd mess up, repent, God would come through, they'd surrender back to God. It was just this vicious cycle. There was spiritual complacency. And may I say this this morning? Complacency breeds mediocrity. And I don't think God has called this church to mediocrity. Complacency breeds mediocrity. And I do not think that God has called this church to mediocrity. You say, Josh, is today's sermon corrective? There's not one specific person in mind for today's sermon. But can it be corrective? Possibly. Hopefully, as your pastor, there are some times that sermons need to be corrective, right? Uh, can this sermon, is this sermon preventative? That's my prayer this morning. My prayer is that for 99% of people, this sermon is preventative. Hey, how can I, when these things start to happen, because it's inevitable that it will, when these things begin to happen, how can I somewhat combat those things? Uh, how is it that, you know, so-and-so has been serving or been uh, doing what they're doing for 20 years, and it seems like they got the joy of the Lord this Sunday, right? I want to be that person, right? And so, so maybe in preventative care this morning, so either, either in preventing um, an issue or in dealing with an issue, listen, take it however the Holy Spirit gives it to you this morning. That's not my job, okay? But I want to give some general guidance on overcoming complacency, especially when it relates to your relationship with Jesus and with his local church. Can we pray together? Heavenly Father, guide and mark my words this morning.
God, I pray that my spirit is right. You know before you this week that I battled and struggled and that I, I wanted desperately for my spirit to be right. I want for every word, especially because we've stepped out of, that, of this series, God, I want every word to be dripping with scripture and the Holy Spirit this morning. I love you and I thank you so much for what you mean to me and my family and to this church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Just a step-by-step walking ourselves through this spiritual complacency when the new is through. Number one, what is something we can do when the new has worn off? And this may not relate to everybody, but number one is simply this, repent. All these begin with R-E. All right, repent. Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 13. He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. And let me say this this morning. Not every season of complacency in your life can be traced back to sin. I'm not saying that this morning. But I am saying, step one, if we have sensed that complacency in our lives, our relationship with Jesus, our relationship with his church, if we have sensed complacency in our lives, step one should be, God, is there anything in this heart between me and between you? Is there anything in my life, is there any sin that I've allowed to creep into my life that has, that has skewed my view of you? Is there any relationship, is there any, is there any decisions that I've been making in my life that that for some reason have turned into sinful acts? If your relationship with Jesus this morning is riddled with mediocrity and it's due to sin, then number one this morning, we must repent. Well, that's, that's in any situation. If we, are ever, uh, if we are ever known to have sin in our lives, our immediate response, number one, should always be to repent. It should be to repent. And I say this, if, if things are... Uh, in our lives that are private, we need to privately repent. Okay, we need to privately, but if there are things in our lives that are public, we need to public, not publicly like come up on the stage on Sunday, but I mean, if we've offended someone, if, if, if God says, listen, there's mediocrity here, there's a complacency in your life because you have an alt with John, then guess what? I don't need to just say, hey, God, I, I get things right with John. I need to say, God, I get things right with you, and hey, John, I need to talk to you. Let's get things right with John. Listen, that's repentance this morning. Repentance is, is, is seeing the sin. It's seeing the things in our lives that are possibly causing this complacency and repenting of it. And what does repentance mean? We know this. We've studied this as a church before. Repentance is not just a change of mind. It is a change of mind that leads to a change in direction. It's a change of mind that leads to a change in direction. If your relationship with Jesus is riddled with mediocrity due to sin, then we need to repent this morning. If your service to Jesus through his church this morning is riddled with mediocrity due to sin in your life, then repent this morning. May I say this? If you're serving Jesus in this church and there is known sin in your life, it will turn into complacency and mediocrity over time. And if you're serving in this church right now and there's sin in your life, repent. Repent, and I say that from the top. I say that from the, from the lead pastor position. If I get up here this morning and I preach to you with sin in my heart, the first step I need to do is I need to shut up and sit down and repent. You can amen there, it's okay, because I need to. 
repents. I'm not saying that every season of complacency in our lives is a cause of sin. I'm not saying that. I am saying that that is the first step I take when I'm feeling complacent. My first question is, God, reveal the sin in my life. God, reveal the sin that has caused me to feel this way. But secondly, the most abused one, but it's okay. I have to be honest. Repent. Secondly, rest. Rest. Matthew chapter 11, beginning in verse 28. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is a needed reality in the life of and I put this in my notes with stars around it, of some people. I know people that like wait for somebody to say, you need a break, and they're like, yes, I need a break. I'll see you guys in a year. You know what I mean? Like, I need a break. COVID gave some of y'all that break. So, hey, you know, we can't, can't take another one, right? I shouldn't have said that. I just, that was, anyway. <laughs> Looks like we're going to be taking more breaks. You know, who knows? Anyway. But this is a needed reality in the life of some people. However, this has seemed to become the easy way out sometimes when the new is no longer new. Let me say this, just being honest with you. For the rest of your life, there will be seasons of time where you will need a break. For the rest of your life. So I say this. I say that if you are in a season of burnout, that you need to rest. I have instructed our church on numerous occasions there are seasons of your life when you need to take a step back. Listen, there are seasons of life, and, and Aaron and I actually have talked about this over the last two weeks. We want to try to structure our schedules and, 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 and our, the way that we give of ourselves to a way that we don't come to that point where we need, that we need uh, sabbaticals. There are many pastors who take long sabbaticals every now and then, and I think those are needful. And I may get to the place that I need one one day, but, but my goal is to create health and margin in my schedule every week so that I don't need to come before you and go, hey, you're not going to see me for three months while I go and take care of my, myself. But we need rest, whether it's small incremental rest that keep you from needing those long breaks or if you've burnt yourself out and you need that rest. Listen, but here's what, let, follow scripture real quick with me. If I can, back to Matthew 11, come to me. Jesus says, all who labor and are heavy laden. And I, Jesus says, I will give you rest. And here's my problem. And once again, guys, if you would just bear with me this morning. I see far too many people saying, I need a break. And they take a break from Jesus and his church. They take, break, uh, take a break from their Bible reading and their prayer life. They take a break from serving Jesus. They take a break from intimacy with Jesus. I just need a break. Well, listen, Jesus says... If you'll come to him and you'll actually draw closer to him, he's going to give you the rest. He's going to give you the break that you need. And so the answer is not pulling away. The answer is actually drawing closer. And the closer that we draw, the more rest that we experience. This morning, I call some of you to rest. I call some of you to rest. I call some of you to come to Jesus and he will give you rest. There are times when you have pushed yourself to your actual limits 
and need a legitimate time of physical and spiritual renewal. And please, I ask you as a pastor to take care of yourself. I tell you this, we vacation, our family, we don't apologize for it. We spend money on vacation. We plan for vacation. We try to do it right. And I don't apologize for it. If you want to be in a church where the pastor's never gone, this ain't a church for you. Because I'm going to be gone on vacation every now and then. It's just, you know why? Because there are seasons and times where we need to rest. And we, need, we must do that. Jesus says, draw close to him and he will give you rest. So in my times away, my times away are not to remove myself from my church and from my Jesus, but to re-engage myself with Jesus. And then to come back and re-engage myself with the church. We'll come back to that, Lord, in a second. Thirdly, so, so we've seen our, the way that we're walking through this. We repent. If there's sin, we repent. I hope I'm being very practical and helping you this morning. If there's sin, we repent. If there's burnout, we rest. If that's what's causing the new to wear off, we rest. Thirdly, I want us to see this, and I think this is so important. Thirdly, revisit. Thirdly, we need to revisit. There are three specific instances in the Old Testament where memorials were created in order to cause the people of God to remember and recall and revisit what God had done in the past. I'm going to give you three of them. In Genesis chapter 28, Jacob set up a pillar at Bethel to forever remember his encounter with God there so that every time he went past Bethel, he would remember that that wrestling with God that happened, that realness that he felt with God for the first time. In Joshua chapter 4, Joshua instructs the people, and most of you would know this one, to set 12 stones at the side of the Jordan River. This is to commemorate God's miracle there in helping them cross over the Jordan River onto dry ground. And Joshua set up those 12 stones to commemorate what God had done. And so every time they walked past those 12 stones, they would revisit what God had done in their lives. In 1 Samuel chapter 7, God leads the children of Israel to a victory over the Philistines and Samuel immediately puts up a stone and names that stone Ebenezer and that that name Ebenezer means the stone of help. The hymn, Here I Raise My Ebenezer, you probably didn't know what it's talking about, but you sang it. You're like, man, I love the old hymns. They mean so much. Well, what does that mean? All right, Um, but... uh, that's what it means, all right? You're raising up, sorry. Um, you're raising up the stone of help. But he, why did he make that? Why did he put that stone there? It was to revisit, to have something to come back to, to revisit. Since we have had this building and we've been in this building, we have been in this building for a year. Can you imagine? Can you believe that? We've been in this building for one year. We came in August of last year. It doesn't seem possible. But in this past 12 months, there have been numerous occasions when someone has stopped by this building and have come in and have talked to myself or Aaron, whoever's here, and said, I grew up, I came to this church back when I was a kid, and I've moved away, and man, I love to see what you guys are doing, or man, can you take me around and show me around? We need some times where we come back and we revisit. Have you ever gone back to the house maybe you grew up in? Maybe you're from out of town or out of state. And you go back, or even if you're in town, you go back to that house that you grew up in. You're like, whoa, would they do that? Why'd they add that? Or why'd they paint it this color? Or whatever. 
But you're like, man, this is really, really neat. Like just to go back and revisit it. When you, when you pull down that street, you remember riding your bike there. Or you remember the things that took place in that house, whether good or bad. You remember uh, the, the, the family times. You, you maybe sit there and, and you cry a little bit. You think back about life and how quickly life has gone. I'm feeling like an old man now, but hey, I'm just telling you. And you're like, you're just kind of walking through and you're thinking. But what are you doing in those moments? You're, you are revisiting a special place. And these instances in the Old Testament are important to note because revisiting what God has done in your life is key to pushing through a season of complacency. I'll say that again. Revisiting what God has done in your life is key to pushing through seasons of complacency. God, I got to be honest with you. As I study your word, I ask your spirit to illuminate things, and I've got to be honest, God. The Holy Spirit's just not, it just doesn't seem the same. We'll go back. Remember what life was like before. Remember what Jesus did. God, I gotta be honest, I walk into church and there's just not that it anymore. Well, I encourage you, go back and revisit. Go back and revisit. Hey God, will you once again restore the excitement for this church? that I had? Will you, God, will you restore again the excitement that I had for you? Revisit. I firmly believe that you should revisit the gospel every single day. What Jesus did for you on the cross, how he rescued you and he reached down when you were at your lowest of lows and he saved you. We ought to revisit that. We ought to think about that. That ought to stay fresh. In our minds, we should revisit. We should ask the Lord to take us back to those places where he was so very real in our lives. And I hope that you've had seasons like that where you're like, God, I know you're real. You're showing yourself true and real to me in this moment. Whatever those moments are in your life, I encourage you when you feel complacency that you go back to those times. Say, God, remind me again. God, remind me again. Remind me again. Take me back to the day that you saved me. Take me back to the day where you supplied my need. Take me back to the day where my family needed this and you came through and we knew it was you, God. Help us revisit. Hey, listen, when the new is through, there will be seasons of complacency. There will be seasons that we find ourselves heading in that direction. But this morning, can we heed these, these warnings? Can we heed this, uh, the, these seasons of our lives by repenting, by resting, by revisiting. Fourthly, by refocusing. Refocus. If you and I are not careful, we will take our focus off of this and we will take our focus down to this. When we first started serving, we were serving because, man, Jesus was so real to us in those times, and whatever I can do, Aaron, whatever, I, whatever you need, Jeff, can I help, Tim, can I help in any way, Sarah, I'd love to help on hospitality, can I help in any way, Josh, what do you, what do you guys need, anything, man, I'm just, whew. and before too long, it's like, it used to be all to Jesus, and now it's like, wait a minute, look at her over there. I'm doing all this and 
Ain't no reason why she shouldn't be helping. Oh, man, you know what? Every time Pastor Aaron needs help with something with the kids' ministry, I always volunteer. Why why doesn't he ever? You see what's happened? Oh, here you go. I said I was going to stay in the vein of the church. It used to be, God, I want to love my spouse as a husband as you love the church. And God, that's what I want to do. I want to please you in my relationship with my spouse. I'm putting in all this effort. It seems like you don't even care. You see how that is a big, major problem? And we go from our focus being pure and our focus being vertical till we get our eyes down and we start to focus on everybody else. And may I say this morning, if you make it a habit to keep score, you're going to lose every single time. I'm going to say it again because I believe it with all my heart. If you make it a habit to keep score, I do this and you do that, or I don't do that and you do this and I do and don't. If you make it a habit to keep score, you will lose every time. And that's, that's good for your marriage, that's good for your church, that's good for anything. But I believe this, there were people in our church, and I mean this with all of my heart, I'm convinced that they, and, I, and there's something to be said for this, and I appreciate this. I believe at the very beginning of our church, there were people that stepped in and served because there was an obvious desperate need, and legitimately, if someone didn't do it, if you didn't do it, no one was going to do it. And so like, okay, like there is literally no one else here, so like, I guess I'll do it. And listen, I'm grateful for people that serve because there's an obvious need. I'm grateful for that. That's better than not doing it. But there must be a time where we take our service, and our service is not because they desperately need me, but our service comes because I desperately love Jesus, and I desperately want to serve him through the church. We must refocus We must refocus. We must refocus our attention on Jesus and not simply on meeting the needs in this church. What's going to happen when God continues to grow us, when God continues to send new people to us, and it's no longer a people begging you, will you please come and sing on the worship team? Or will you please come and help with set up and tear down? Or we need some help. Please help us with the teenagers. No, what if it's like, God, I want to serve you. And this is the church that you've brought me to. God, where can I serve? That's what we want. Not just we're begging you, please. No, it's God, where would you want me to serve? My focus will stay on you. And I will serve your church because I love you. What an incredible focus this morning. I I will say this, if we will focus on the vertical, then the horizontal will work itself out. Let me say this. If you, if you will serve in this church because you love Jesus, I, pro- I say this because I truly believe this in my heart. I believe that you're in a room of people and you're at a church today who people have a pure heart. They have a pure heart. No one, to my knowledge, the Holy Spirit has not shown me that there is anyone in this church that is in it for their own self, that they're in it for glory, that they're in it for pride. No one, not one person. So here's what I will tell you. I think I can say this in confidence. If you will concentrate about serving Jesus, 
through this church. Any sort of problems that could, could and will happen in the horizontal will take care of themselves. That doesn't mean there's not going to be those problems. And we have to deal with problems all the time. Listen, if you don't want to have any drama or issues, then don't serve, don't get involved. That's cool. There's going to be drama and issues sometimes when you serve. But if we'll keep our focus on Jesus, those things will take care of themselves. Hey, Tim, I didn't like that song, man. Actually, I loved it. But um, I, didn't, I didn't really like that, but my focus is on Jesus. And that, that's really, you know what? It's not about me. You didn't, you didn't create those, those songs, that set today, to worship Josh. You created that set today to worship Jesus. So I'm cool, man. Oh, you know what? That song, it used to have, I used because I play, I play the guitar. I don't know if you knew that. But it, we used to do that really cool thing with my guitar, and now you decided not to do it. But my focus is on Jesus. It's all good. Hey, hey, Aaron, I, I, I don't know if you remember this. Back when I started, I said I really wanted to be in the elementary kids. And you asked me to go down to the preschool. Because I'm serving Jesus, I'm, I'm cool. I'm okay with that. What, what, Sarah, you had me on the first week, and I want to be on the third week. But I'm, I'm okay. Hey, listen, we, I tell you what we did, and I appreciate your flexibility. Over these last year and a half, man, our connect groups... We've had to change them up and like locations and times and like, man, and some of you have been displaced and you've had to move around a little bit. Can I say thank you for just keeping your eyes on Jesus and understanding we're doing the best we can and not letting the horizontal mess up your vertical? Listen, we must refocus this morning. We must refocus and we must set our focus on Jesus. When the news seems to be through, re-engage vertically. Re-engage with your relationship and your focus on Jesus. Refocus. These last two are a little more practical. And we're done. I had six points today. That's like the most I've ever had in my life. <laughs> Number five, re-engage. Re-engage. If you've allowed the newness to wear off and making you complacent this morning, I ask you today to re-engage and to recommit. To recommit. In John chapter 21, there's the story of Peter. If you remember when Peter was called to be a disciple of Jesus, he was fishing. That was Peter's job. And Peter went through following Jesus for the, his earthly ministry. But we find here at the end, after Jesus has risen from the dead, they don't, can't find Peter. And guess where Peter's at? He's gone back to fishing. Now, Peter is a complex individual. His name, his name was Peter in the Greek. I think his name was Josh Cox in English, I think. <laughs> Possibly. But man, this is like walk on water. I will not deny you. Oh, no, 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 a couple weeks ago. Who do you say that I am? You are the Christ. Ugh. I will not deny you. I, before the day ends, say you're going to deny me three times. What? Jesus raised us from the dead. Man, Peter ought to be, he ought to be, man, but you know what he did? He went fishing. He went back. He stepped back from following Jesus. He stepped back from his role as a disciple. And what I love about this and what I, what I want us to understand about reengaging and recommitting and refocusing, you know who came calling after Peter a second time? Jesus. You see, Peter disconnected 
And Jesus called him to re-engage. He called him to recommit. In fact, you know what he did? He didn't do it by shaming him. He didn't do it by making him feel worthless. You know how he did it by? By giving him a bunch of fish. To where Peter had to go, whoa, Jesus, what is going on? This is obviously Jesus. Peter re-engaged. And then Jesus asked him a question. Do you love me more than these? And I believe he was looking at the fish. Do you love me more than this? Then re-engage in the mission that you've been called to. Do you love me more than these, Peter? Then re-engage as my follower and my disciple. And what does Peter do? He re-engages. He goes on to preach Pentecost. He goes on to win thousands of people to Jesus. He goes on to be one of the fathers of the early church. That's what happens when you re-engage and you recommit. And, and may I call you this morning, if you have step, taken a step back, to jump back in. This time with a healthy focus on Jesus. To jump back in. To get back in that connect group. But this time, not about all of the horizontal relationships. Because you want to get in a connect group because you want to get closer to Jesus through his church. To get back in, in serving in that area again. Not because we need people to serve in areas, but because you want to you further your relationship with Jesus through his church in serving. It's time. It's time to re-engage and it's time to recommit. And I believe that God wants to do some amazing things through this church, but it's not going to happen without people engaging in the mission of God through this church. And lastly, and I'm not going to apologize for the last one. I will say this, that I do not speak on this. In fact, you could have attended our church probably for a month. And I could probably go four weeks without even mentioning, mentioning this in an announcement. But lastly, reinvest. 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 Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed press down shaken together and running over will be put into your bosom for with the same measure that you use it will be measured back to you may I say this this morning where your treasure is there will your heart be also you don't have to tell me where your heart is you could simply log into your online banking and your online banking will tell you where your heart is I can tell you where my heart is a lot of times. You know where it's at? Y'all know. <laughs> it's in food, man. But you know how I can see that? I can open up my bank. I, I could open up my online banking right now. In fact, I'm going to do that. I'm not. I'm just kidding. Uh, but uh, <laughs> um, you could look at my bank account and you could see where my priorities lie. My priorities lie with my family. My priorities lie with food. My priorities lie with vacation. A chunk of money every month we set aside in savings so that we can take vacation because we don't want to go in debt to go on vacation. That's just my family. You do what you want to do. But above all, before, be I'm just going to tell you what we do. Before we budget, we take out our giving for us. And this is, listen, this is old school and that's fine. You can get mad at me if you want to. It's okay. This, I'm going to tell you what Sarah and I do. And we did this long before we planted this church. We did this when we were members of other churches. We decided this because and when we first got married, we didn't give for a little bit. And Lord have mercy if my life did not flip upside down about 57 times. 
I said, okay, God, you got my attention. We don't even begin our mortgage payment budget until we've just subtracted what we give. Then we start. So for us, if we can or cannot afford something, it actually has no bearing on how much we give. Does that make sense? Like, can I afford to make this purchase? Has no bearing on what I give. That, and that's, that's, I know that's a little bit different, and I'm not telling, this is not prescriptive today for you to do it this way. I'm telling you that this is how we have invested in our church. So before we begin our budgeting, our giving goes. You say, Josh, where is that from? It's the principle for us of the first. The first day of the week, the first fruits. Now, listen, I understand there's nuanced teaching there. I'm not saying that that is gospel. I'm saying that's the principle that we use. For my wife and I, we use the principle of a tithe. Now listen, you've never one time heard me get up here and preach that the tithe is gospel. You've never heard me say that. But the tithe is also not just law, it was before the law. The tithe was referred to twice in the Old Testament. For us, that's kind of the standard that we set. It's like, are we at kind of that standard? And you have, everyone has giving standards, we just chose to put ours there. That's just what we do. I love people that are like, well, tithing in the New Testament, I ain't doing it. And I'm like, well, let me show you what is in the New Testament. You ready for this? If you have two coats and someone needs one, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to give how many? So what's, what is the percentage of New Testament giving? I'll let you guys figure. I mean, you do what you want to do. Do what you want to do. I'm messing with you. I don't really believe that's gospel truth, but that's just the illustration I use. Just 50%, guys. That's it. Listen, this church doesn't need the money. Have we taken a step of faith as a church? Absolutely. But listen, we serve a God who, man, he can just like sneeze and all of our things can be taken care of. Like it's not even a thing. The Lord knows I don't need your money. But where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So I ask today, maybe... We need to reinvest. I don't know this. We, about a year and a half ago, we hired a, um, a bookkeeper who lives in Charlotte. Doesn't know anybody in our church because we just wanted that to be taken completely out of our hands. So I don't even, I'll be honest, when we first started the church, I mean, I kind of had to know things because I was kind of the only one here and that was the only way, we could, only way we could work. I don't know things. I get reports. So I don't know here. I'm, I'm saying if, if this is an area where you need to re-plug back in, then I encourage you to do that. If this is an area that you need to plug in for the first time, can I say this? Lord knows, if you have never given or not given consistently to our church, please do not begin giving because you think this church needs it. Please don't do that. Please begin giving because you want to respond to God and what he did for you through his son Jesus. And you want to obey Luke 6, give and it will be given unto you. I don't want to, I'm not giving just so you'll give back, but God, I know that's the promise. You'll take care of me. And guys, you know my heart this morning. I, I mean this. How many of you have noticed this? There are most Sundays we get out of here and we never even mention the ways to give. We may do it once or twice a month. Sometimes I get done, I'm like, man, there was a bunch of people here today. I really should have said, hey, if you'd like to be a part of what we're doing financially, should have, maybe should have mentioned that. That's my flesh. But may I say this, if you find yourself complacent, I don't know how you to say this. If you find yourself with your heart not in it, 
then where your treasure is, there will your heart be. I don't know how much easier we can say it. It's not about the amount. Remember Jesus? What was it? The widow? She gave two mites. It's less than a penny in today's. It's not about the amount. It's just about the willingness. The willingness. When the new is through, maybe we need to repent. Maybe we need to rest. Maybe we need to revisit. Maybe we need to refocus. This is a lot of points. Maybe we need to re-engage. Or maybe we need to reinvest this morning. I hope my heart has come through today. I hope that this has been preventative for most. Maybe corrective. There's parts of this that are corrective for me. I pray, though, that at the end of the day, it is encouraging. Every now and then, you know what I need? A smack in the butt. Not like a good game, but like, get going. Like, get moving. Every now and then, you know what I need? I need this. Wake up. No one was asleep. That wasn't. Sometimes I do that. Like, if someone's asleep over here, I, like, walk over here so they don't think I'm doing it to them. I'm like, hey. Tim wakes up. But, uh. Here's what I believe, guys. I don't believe, I know this. That four years ago, a little over four years ago, when we began meeting in a living room, that we did not meet thinking, let's put on, let, let's create a mediocre move of God. Let's, go, let's create a group of people that are just so complacent with Jesus. That was never our plan that was never our desire. And so every now and then, this is the first time I've done this in four, four years. Maybe every four years, remind me, that we need every now and then, we need a, every now and then we need a little wake up. Every now and then we need to put together a battle plan against complacency and against mediocrity because complacency breeds mediocrity. And God did not call us to plant and to serve in a mediocre church. He's not a mediocre savior. He doesn't deserve mediocre service. He's incredible. He's beyond knowing. And he, he deserves our best, our service. He deserves our best, our worship. So today I don't know what parts of this spoke to you. I know what parts spoke to me. But whatever it is today, I want to encourage you to take a step about it, to do something about it. Listen, if the Holy Spirit's been speaking to your heart about serving in a specific area and you've been pushing it off, today is the day to go find me or somebody. Maybe you already know who serves in, who leads that area. Go find them. Say, listen, today I, I'm, I'm in, man. I'm in. You let me know. Maybe today, maybe you've been out of connect group. And you're like, you know, when we start back up, I'm in, man. Because a couple of groups are finishing off in the next two week, week or two. But I'm in, man. When we start back up, I'm in. I'm not in it for, like, the food, even though it's great. I love eating with you guys. I'm in it because, man, I want my relationship with Jesus through his church. I want it to be pure. Whatever it is today. I will say that I believe God blesses when we would just come to him, number one, and just say, God, I repent. 
Look, I don't even know. You know me better than I know me, but you know something isn't right. So whatever it is, God, I repent of it. And God, let's move forward. I want to move forward for you. That's all. I guess that's all I'm asking today. Hey, God, there was something. It isn't right. I'm getting it right, and I'm moving forward today. And next Sunday or this week or whenever, man, I want that fervor back. I want that realness back. I want that, that, that energy back that you once had in my heart. Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystonerdu.church. If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media and outreach ministries at Keystone, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and around the world.